want to compare these two passages tonight. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and um, verse number 17. Genesis 3 and 17. This was, of course, when God appeared to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. And uh, uh, God is addressing Adam. We're going to come back and talk about all of this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now turning to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 44, God is now giving instructions through the prophet concerning the sons of Aaron who would serve him in the sanctuary. Ezekiel 44 Verses 16 through 18. Ezekiel 44 and 16. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. And it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, no wool shall come upon them whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. They shall have linen bonnets upon their head. They shall have linen breeches upon their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causeth sweat. Now, it may be difficult to see how these two passages go together but I'm going to try, if the Lord will help me and touch me tonight, I'm going to try to talk to you about what the Lord has said in these two passages of Scripture. Praise God. Amen. Would you put your Bible down and ask the Lord to help us tonight? I really, really need the touch of God right now. And um, so could we, could we pray together right now, everybody? Lord, in the name of Jesus, 
I need you right now, God. I cannot do this unless you help me. I need the touch of the Holy Ghost right now. I need the power of the Almighty to come and enshroud me right now. I need your anointing, your help, your unction, your power. Lord God, I need the blood that flowed at Calvary to flow over my body right now. Jesus, we need you. God, this flock has come hungry tonight. They want to be fed. And I'm asking you, Lord, for their sakes, help me tonight. Jesus, I need you. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Could we just praise him for a moment tonight before we're seated? Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's worship him right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. You're so wonderful, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you. You may be seated tonight, but I'm asking you uh, if you could give it a little more for my sake tonight. Um, would you would you worship as though I'm screaming and stomping and Would you, would you, would you hear my heart tonight? Amen. Amen. I, I don't, I don't think it's necessary for me to point out to most of you the fact that when the very first sin was committed on earth, the very first humans were confronted over their sin. That they refused to own up to it and, uh, and take responsibility. But they determined they were going to blame somebody else. Somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. That's just a part of fallen nature. I really think had Adam and Eve not sinned, I, I, I think that sin that they introduced, that corrupted nature, the first, the very first sign we see that their nature is corrupted is the fact that they want to blame someone else. Amen. 
Amen. And I don't want to get sidetracked tonight, but I'm just going to tell you that when we start trying to blame others, it's a real sign that our nature is corrupt. We, we got we to gotta just own up to it, folks. We, we got to quit pointing our fingers at everybody else. Amen. We got to quit saying somebody else made me do it. And it's somebody else's fault. And if they hadn't treated me this way, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that uh, we, we got to learn to just own up to our mistakes, our faults, our failures. Amen. We, we, we can't really repent if we're pointing a finger at somebody else. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. No, no, it's really not. It's, it's my fault. It's your fault. We own these things. But, but this is what happened to corrupt nature. Adam, Adam blamed Eve. God said, what have you done? And, and, and read for us. Adam said in Genesis 3 and 12. And, Adam said, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy is wife. That, that's not verse 12, is it? All right, verse 12. 3 and 12. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me. Yeah, that's the one. She gave me of the tree. Yeah, it's all her fault. It's all her fault. She gave it to me. And what could I do but eat it? Right? Right? I mean, I got to please that sweet little lady. I mean, after all, Lord, you gave her to me. You know, I got to take care of the one you gave to me. And, 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 and you gave her to me and she gave me the fruit. And so what choice do I have, God, but, but, but to do what she wants me to do? Um, <laughs> so God looked at Eve and he said, all right. Now, this is the rigged revised version, all right? He said, all right, what's your excuse? So verse 13, the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Yeah, the, the serpent, I mean, he just, I mean, he, he made it look so good. And he made it sound so good. And, you know, Lord, it had been a few hours since I'd had anything, and, and, and man, my stomach started growling right about that time. And, and, and I mean, that thing was just shining and it looked so juicy. And, and, and he beguiled me. And, and I ate it. And so, interestingly, God did not ask the serpent who he was going to blame. I think God was tired of the blame game by this point. And he just said, forget all that. Let's just deal with it. And so, and so he did. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you tonight that, that even though, even though God listened to Adam's excuse and asked Eve, 
listen to Eve's excuse and address the serpent. God did not leave Adam and Eve alone for what they had done. God started at the end of the line with the serpent and Adam and Eve probably were wiping their foreheads saying, whoo, we got out of that one, didn't we? Until God started back up the line and he disciplined Eve and he disciplined Adam. And I'm going to tell you that God made his way back to the one whose real responsibility it was. Adam had a job. Adam had been given a responsibility. He was put in the garden and instructed by God to take care of that garden before God ever gave Eve to him. God had already told him that he was to take care of it. Now, I want to ask you tonight, what was that serpent doing in the garden in the first place? Why didn't Adam do a better job of making sure that the serpent didn't get in there? And why didn't Adam do a better job of making sure his wife understood? Because I'm here to tell you, Eve and I'm going to prove this to you from scripture, but Eve really did not believe she was sinning. She really didn't. Read for me 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Uh-huh. And Adam was not deceived. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman but being, the woman being, being deceived, deceived was, in, was in the transgression. Now, I want to show you. The, the, the apostle Paul said that Eve was deceived. That means she believed she was doing right. She thought she was. So I'm going to tell you, Adam dropped the ball. Now, you, you, I don't have time to get into all this. But you can go back and study it out. When God gave the command not to eat of the tree, it was before he created Eve. I don't see where God ever said it again after he created Eve. And so what Eve knew about eating of that tree is what she learned from her husband. And the Bible clearly says she was deceived. So I'm telling you, Brother Hilton, she did not understand fully just how bad this was. He did not do his job in conveying to her, woman, look, we don't transgress against God. Hallelujah. Oh, for some, for some men who will again say as Joshua did, as for me and my house. This is the way it's going to be under my roof. He didn't take a vote. He didn't ask his kids. He didn't ask his wife. He just said, as for me and my, this is how it's going to be in my home. This is the way it's going to be. But Adam, Adam somehow, somehow he failed to convey to his wife properly. Just how bad this was. And 
She got things twisted in her mind. In fact, you'll remember that the serpent asked her, did God say? And if you look at the timeline and understand, she didn't hear God say. She heard Adam say. And so in her mind, she's not really sure it was God. Maybe Adam got confused. Maybe Adam, in fact, it looks to me like Adam may have even added uh, a stricter standard than God did. Because God told Adam, don't eat of it. But Eve said the command is, don't even touch it. Now that's stricter than what God was. But Eve got it in her mind. Maybe that didn't come from God after all. Maybe, maybe, maybe that man, he's, he's out of line in all this and he doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and the Bible says she was deceived. Now I'm going to tell you, even though she was deceived, she didn't get off the hook. She did not get off the hook. Hallelujah. Amen. Deception. Deception does not grant immunity. I'm telling you, people who are deceived are still going to be lost. There are people that are doing the very best they know to do. They're living the very best lives they know to live. But they're deceived. Somebody has told them, all you got to do is accept Christ as your Savior. That's it. They really believe that's all that's necessary. And they're not going to learn any different till they get to judgment day. But I'm telling you, at judgment day, God's not going to excuse them because they were deceived. So that's why when somebody says, well, I just don't see it that way. Well, let me just tell you, my friend, and, 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 and if this sounds mean, just blame it on my sickness, all right? And, and boy, I can get by with a lot tonight. I can, I can get by with a lot tonight. Praise God. But, but listen, I've, I've had people say, well, I just don't see it that way. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You better find out how God sees it. You can't afford to take a chance and wait till you get to judgment and then figure out how God sees it. Because God's not going to ask your opinion on judgment day. God didn't come back to Eve and say, well, well, explain to me what, what you were thinking here. Explain how you thought this was supposed to be, and maybe I'll judge you a little differently. He didn't do that. God still judged her. He still judged her. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going somewhere tonight. Just hang on. I'm moving slow, but get used to it. I'm not getting any younger, so... One day this will be my fast speed. There will come a day when I'm preaching like this. Some of you say, boy, he really got excited tonight. That day's coming. That day's coming. Hallelujah. Genesis 3 verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply. He said, I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow. Thy conception. And your conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Mm. And thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. Yeah. Yeah. So Eve, I'm still going to judge you. 
You, you may have been deceived and you may have thought you were doing right, but I want you to understand something. That with every child you bring into this world, it's going to be painful. It's going to be rough. It's going to bring sorrow. This is your punishment. This is what you've got to deal with. You and every woman after you. It's going to be in sorrow that you bear your children. And yet, in her judgment, God had also given her hope. Because read verse 15 for me. And I will put enmity. I'm going to, he's talking to the serpent here in verse 15. He said, I'm going to put enmity between thee and, and the woman. And the woman. And between thy between seed, thy seed, and, her seed and her seed. And, shall bruise and it shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Now listen, he did go on to tell Eve that your children are going to cause sorrow and pain when you give birth. But he'd already made a promise. I know there's going to be sorrow in this, but I do want you to know this much. There's going to come a day that out of that sorrow is going to come the greatest hope that mankind has ever known. I don't want you living your life just hanging your head and dreading this. I want you to understand one day there's going to be a woman that's going to go through that sorrow. But oh the joy that that sorrow is going to bring not just to her but to all of the world because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that thing that brought her sorrow and I am going to bruise the head of the one that brought this sin into this garden in the first place oh praise God hallelujah Hallelujah. But then, then when he got to Adam. Adam, this is far more severe. Because, you know, you, you consider it's in childbirth that she experiences this form of discipline. In childbirth. And um, that's... You know, not all that frequent for most women. But for Adam, when God got back to Adam, because again, Paul told Timothy, Adam was not deceived. There was no question in Adam's mind that God's the one who said this. Adam had heard it from God's own lips. Adam had been in that conversation when God issued that mandate not to eat from that tree. And so when God judged Adam, let's read it again. We read it as part of our text tonight, Genesis 3, verses 17 to 19. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened. Because you hearkened to the voice of your wife, wife. And hast eaten of the tree. And you ate of the tree. Of which I commanded, which I commanded you, saying, "Don't eat of it." Not eat of it. Cursed. Here is your tree. discipline, Adam. I am going to curse the ground because of you. 
In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all now, days. Now, for the woman in sorrow, you are going to bear children. But for Adam, in sorrow, you're going to eat of the fruit of the ground. Read. Thorns also and thistles. Thorns and thistles. It's going to bring forth. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Until thou return unto the ground. Until the day that you die. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, now, now there's two things in verse 19 that were a part of Adam's curse. First of all, we'll take them in reverse order. Un, he said, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. We understand what he's talking about there. This was the pronouncement of death that God put upon Adam and upon all of those who would come after him. Romans 5 and 12 says it this way. Wherefore, as by one, as man, by one man, sin, entered into, sin the world, entered into the world. Death by sin. Death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Death Death was the byproduct of Adam's sin. You were made from dust, and now because you've sinned, you're going back to the very elements from which you were created. And God has kept his word all these thousands of years and continues to keep his word, and we continue to return to the dust from whence we came. But the second thing, in, in verse 19, God says to Adam, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. God said, I'm going to curse the ground. The ground is going to bring forth things that you don't want it to bring forth. While you're trying to get it, to bring forth what you do want. You understand? Adam, you got to have bread to live. But I want you to know something. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to make it hard work. Because that's what sin does. Sin makes life hard. Well, I know you don't have a clue where I'm going. Right about now, I'm wondering myself, but we'll get there. Hallelujah. No, I know where I'm going. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said, he said, Adam, it's not going to be easy for you to get the thing that you need you got to have that bread, but it's not just going to come up because you go out here and plant a seed. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to fight things you don't want to get the things you do want. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be such work that it's going to require the sweat of your face for you to eat this bread every day day till you die that's 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 tough but i'm telling you god made it clear 
And Adam, what you've done, what you've done in knowingly and willingly transgressing my commandment, I'm going to make you pay for it every day that you live. And, and the only way you're going to be able to get what you need, it's going to require the sweat of your face. You're going to work hard to get what you want. For the woman, a few times in her life, but for the man, six days out of every week, sorrow, 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 thorns and thistles, dry spells and famines, briars and bristles, weeds, tears. While you're trying to get a little bit of bread to put on your table, it's going to be work, work, work. Well, I could stop right here and preach to you young men a little bit. You want to be a man? Learn to work. Blame it on the sickness if I'm getting too mean now. But I'm just going to, I'm going to play this for all it's worth. You want to be a man? Learn to work. You don't need to be wasting all of your time. Do something productive with your time. Do something productive with your energy. You're young. Get out there and apply yourself. Well, I'm going to get too sidetracked. I got to leave that alone, but do it. Learn to work. Learn to work. God made sure. This is why when Paul said, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Why did Paul say that? Because this was the principle God instituted in the garden. If you're going to eat, Adam, you're going to have to work to do it. So when somebody gets lazy and doesn't want to do it, they're really trying to circumvent the plan of God. Oh, I, I didn't intend for this message to go this direction, but we're going to make a turn here. And I'm going to, I'm going to get, I promise you, I'm going to get more positive in a moment. All right. I'm positive. I'll get more positive. Just ride with me for right now. But we see clearly from verse 19, that sweat was a part of the curse God put upon mankind. Right? I mean, that's clear. Verse 19, in the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. That sweat is a part of the curse God put on man. Now, realizing that and understanding that, I want us to go back and look at the other passage that I read as part of my text from the book of Ezekiel. God is now speaking through the prophet unto the priests about their work. And yet, here's what he says to them. Ezekiel 44, verses 16 through 18. And they shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. 
And it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments. Got to be linen. And no wool. No, no wool. Shall come upon them whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. Now, why linen and not wool? Why linen, not wool? Read on. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads and shall have linen breeches upon their loins. They shall not gird themselves. They shall, this is why I don't want you wearing wool to do this service. They shall not gird themselves with, with anything, anything that causes sweat. That causes sweat. But I thought sweat was a part of man's curse. I thought God wanted men to sweat. Well, so why does God turn around and tell the priest, I want you to take extra precaution that you don't sweat? How do we reconcile Adam's curse with Aaron's command? How do we put these two things together? I'm going to tell you what, what hit me, and I, I, I don't claim to be a scholar, except in the sense that that word can mean a student. Um, so I don't know that any commentary even touched on it, but I want to tell you what I see in all of this. In the case of Adam... Adam was working for the purpose of meeting the needs of his fleshly man. But in the case of Aaron, his work was for the purpose of meeting the needs of the spiritual man. I want to tell you tonight that as long as someone is trying to serve themselves, the work is going to be hard and it's going to cause you to sweat. But if you start serving the Lord. You know there's a, there's a saying that they used to use when I was younger. I don't hear it much anymore. But, but you know somebody said man I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And, and, and they'd look at you and say oh don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. In other words you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's not going to be that difficult. And I'm telling you here's what God is saying tonight Adam the results of your flesh are going to make you sweat but when it comes to serving the Lord don't sweat it it's going to be all right you don't have to worry about working for God and it being a difficult thing are you hearing me tonight I told you we're going to try to turn this thing and go positive tonight and I'm I'm going to try my best I want you to understand hard work is delegated to the transgressor Proverbs 13 and 15. Good understanding giveth favor. Uh-huh. But the way of the, the transgressors. Way, listen, don't tell me it's hard to live for God. It's not hard to live for God. It's hard to live for yourself. It's hard to live for the devil. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Yes. That's the hard life. That's the life you gotta sweat. But I'm here to tell you tonight, living for God is not a difficult thing. Living for God is not a hard thing. Somebody hear me tonight. I'm telling you, you don't have to 
there is no reason for you to sit back and say, preacher, I can't live that life. I, oh, yes, you can. Not by your strength, not by your power, but I'm here to tell you, God said, if you're going to serve around my tabernacle, I'm going to make sure you don't have to sweat it. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Here's what Jesus said. Come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that, All ye that labor, you're working, you're working. But I'm going to tell you what you're working for. You're out there working as a result of your sin. You're out there trying to take care of the messes your carnal nature has made. But I want to offer you something. If you're out there laboring and you're heavy laden, come to me. I got an offer to make you. I'm going to give you rest. Hallelujah. Take my yoke. Take my yoke on you. Learn of, Learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. I'm going to tell you. Jesus said, I'll give you. You don't sweat when you're resting. Resting doesn't work up a sweat. Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I'm going to take care of everything. Yeah, you got a burden you're going to carry, but it's light compared to what you're carrying right now. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm here to tell you, friend, living for God's not nearly as hard as what you want to make it out to be. Well, you can't do this and you can't do that. No, you're looking at it totally wrong. Right. It's not that I can't. It's that I don't have to. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I look around at this world and I see the way that they're going and the things that they're doing and what they're all wrapped up in. And you know why they're doing it? Because the God of this world yes. has control of them. The peer pressure of this world pushing them to look like a... Dare I say it? Look like a bunch of freaks. That's the truth. I mean, well, anyhow, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's sad. It's sad. I, I was somebody just the other day, and I, I, I had, to, I said, "Is that a man or a woman?" I, I don't know, and I don't think they know. Listen, why? Why? Well, we want to be different. No, you're not being different. You're being like the rest of the world. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't have to go that way. I'm not doing things that I am forced to do. I'm free from everything the world is forced to do. Come on. Hey, 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 when I look around, I'm telling you, when I look around and I see people that are my age, I, I'm, I'm not that far from 60 at this point. And when I see other 60-year-olds, I say, Lord, have mercy. They've li lived a rough life. But you know, that's what sin does. It's hard work. It'll make you sweat. That's what sin brings about. Thank God. I'm telling you, thank God I don't have to worry about going to some sinner trying to get a center, trying to get deliverance from a drug habit or an alcohol habit. I don't have to worry about that tonight. I'm telling you, it's not hard for me to live for God. This is the most wonderful life that anybody's ever lived. I'm enjoying every minute of 
of the journey. Yeah, I've got my sorrows. Yes, I've shed my tears. Yeah, I've got my bad days. But my bad day in the church, I'm telling you, is far better than my best day out in the world. There's nothing like living for God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me preach to the saints for a few minutes. Because I'm going to tell you, there's too many of us that are still trying to sweat it. We got too many things. We come into church, boy, what a spirit of the Lord was moving a while ago. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not asking for sympathy. Thank God I'm feeling better right now. God, but when I walked in here, I was so sick, I didn't... I didn't see how I was going to be able to preach. I was that sick. But uh, I'm feeling better now. But boy, what a spirit of the Lord swept through this place. But, but some of you had such a hard time letting go. You know why? Because you're so cumbered with burdens. Things that you're still trying to labor over. Things you're still trying to solve. Things you're still trying to figure out. Things you're still trying to fix. Are you hearing me tonight? You're still sweating over things that God wants you to quit sweating about. Well, hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4. I waited till you put the paper down to, to do that. So, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, yeah. with thanksgiving, yeah. let your requests be made known unto God. Yeah, be careful for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all, pass all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. See, we, 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 we quote verse 7. We don't understand that verse 7 is, is preceded by a command in verse 6. I want the peace of God that passes understanding, but there's only one way I'm going to get it. I got to be careful for nothing. Now, Barnes notes on the New Testament did offer this commentary on this, and I liked what he said. He said that what this means is we are to have such confidence in God as to free the mind from anxiety and such a sense of dependence on him as to keep calm. That's what he's telling us. Now, let me give it to you from the contemporary English version. I like the way that this says it, all right? I'm going to read. I like the way this, this, this reads this. It says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. You know what I'm saying? Quit sweating it. Quit worrying about it. Quit biting your fingernails down to the quick. Quit pacing the floor till the carpet's worn out. I'm telling you, that's a sign you're not really trusting God. At some point, you got to say, I'm his, and he's going to take care of his own. I have never... was young but now I'm old but I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging bread I can depend on God God's gonna take care of me I don't have to worry about how things are gonna come out as long as I put them 
about anything, but pray about everything. Now, I'm telling you, that, that really is a pretty good rendition of that verse. Yes, sir. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. Let your request be made known. So I like that. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Yeah. And it goes on to say, then, then God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. How can he give us peace while we're living such worrisome lives? When we are so worried, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to put food on the table? Well, listen, if you're doing everything you know to do, then it's time for you to quit worrying about it and say, all right, God, now it's up to you. I've done my part. There's a part I can't do. This is yours. Hallelujah. James said it this way. Behold the husbandman. Or the farmer. Now, this is what a farmer, a farmer doesn't just go in the house and just pray, give me a crop. Right. He goes out there and he prepares the ground and he plants the seed. And he, he waters it. And he weeds it. He fertilizes it. But you know, he can give it the best care possible. But if he didn't get some water, if God doesn't send some rain, he can do what he wants. But there's some things only God can do. And I'm telling you, that's where we get it wrong. I'm not telling you that we don't, we, we don't need to make preparations and we don't need to do anything. That we should just sit home and expect God to pay all our bills. I'm not telling you that. But I'm saying when you've done everything you know to do, everything that God expects out of you and you've been faithful to God, then it's time to quit worrying about the rest. How come you're not shouting with me as much now as you were when I was preaching to sinners? I'm telling you, when we get into the house of God, we shouldn't be in here worrying about tomorrow. We shouldn't be in here worrying about our problems. We shouldn't be in here. I'm telling that's wool garments we got on. You hear me? We're clothed in wool. If we walk in this house and we're worried about everything, it's time to put on some linen garments. It's time to say, God, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to let tomorrow take care of itself because you're already in tomorrow. Before I ever get there, you've already got it figured out. I'm telling you, I preached. I preached to those Africans on this last trip. I said, I want to ask you a question. Is God richer in America than he is in Zimbabwe? Is he? Does God have more money in America than he has in Zimbabwe? The same God that can meet my needs can meet your needs. The Bible says that, that he'll supply all your need according to his riches, not in America, but his riches in glory. Come on now. 
I know, I know some of you hate for me to preach like this because you just love worrying. But I'm telling you, you're sweating things you don't need to sweat about. You need to learn to put things in God's hand and let God take care of them. Come on. Abraham made such a mess of everything. Still problems because he decided to try to fix it himself. I'm telling you, the more you try to fix it, the more sweating you're going to do. The more you try to solve it, the harder the work's going to get. But if you'll ever reach a place that you'll put it into God's hands, quit worrying about everything and just trust God to take care of you. So, so, Jesus said, if you're laboring, you're working, and you're heavy laden, you're carrying a heavy burden, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. If you'll come to me, if you'll take my yoke, if you'll carry my burden, I'm going to give you rest. You don't have to sweat. You want to know why he could make that kind of promise? You know why we don't have to sweat when it comes to living for him? Luke 22, verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat, and was, his as sweat was as it were great drops, great of, blood drops of blood falling down to falling. the ground. He said, I'm going to sweat for you. And in fact, the sweating that I'm going to do is going to take care of the sweating that sin brings. Because his sweat was as great drops of blood. The redemption for sin. The price for remission. Are you hearing me tonight? Jesus said, I've already done the sweating for you. I've already done the sweating for you. If you'll just come to me now, I got it covered. Yeah. I got it taken care of. Oh, I wish somebody would hear this preacher tonight. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to encourage somebody. Somebody that walked in here so worried about how something is going to turn out. I've got a word from God for you right now. You need to hear what God's got to say. Don't worry about it. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Try. Oh, somebody hear me. Trust God. Put your confidence in him. He is able. He's able. He's able. Amen. He's already done the sweating for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's go back. I'm, I'm, I've about done all I can do. I've given it all I can tonight. So let's go back. Look one more time. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Everyone say eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. 
Come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that labor. All ye that labor. Are heavy laden. Heavy laden. And I will give you. And I will give you what? I'll give you what? I'll give you what? Matthew 11 and 28. He said, I'll give you rest. Isaiah 28, 11. Isaiah 28, 11 tells us what that rest is. For with stammering lips. With stammering lips. And another tongue. And another tongue. Will he speak to this Will people? he speak to this people? To whom he said. To whom he said. This is the This. That what? What is the rest? Stammering lips and another tongue. He said, this is the rest wherewith, wherewith you may cause, you may cause the, weary the weary to rest. This is and the this is the refreshing. Amen. Jesus said, if you're weary, you're heavy laden, I'll tell you what you need. Come to me and just say this. Baptize me, Jesus, with the Holy Ghost. I'm feeling weak right now, but I shall have power. Your word says so. Hey, Satan is busy trying to turn me around. But I want you to know this, Lord. I am determined. I'm going to stand my ground, but I know I can't do it. I'm not able to do it unless you baptize me with the Holy Ghost. That's where the rest is. That's why I said a while ago, this is what every one of us need tonight. This is what every one of us need. If you're here with worries and problems, what you need is a good old-fashioned praying through. You need a time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. You need stammering lips and another tongue. It'll bring rest. It'll bring rest. It'll wipe the sweat away. Oh, hallelujah. It'll take all of the heavy burdens off your shoulders. Come on, Sister Becca. I've given it everything I can give it tonight. I'm telling you, we're sweating too much. We're sweating too much. Our sweat can never match his. We're never going to be able to have the kind of sweat he did. His sweat solved the problem for us. We don't have to do it. We just come and let him baptize us with the Holy Ghost. You know what I want to see happen tonight? I'm, I'm finished up early enough tonight. You know what I, I want to see happen? And I believe God wants it to. I'd like to see everybody in the house get a good praying through tonight. Everybody talking in tongues tonight. Everybody talking in tongues. I remember... I remember as a young boy going off to a youth camp and hearing Elder, Elder Von Morton preach a message. He preached 
It's tongue talking time in Texas. It's tongue talking time in Texas. Hallelujah. Well, I want to tell you, it's tongue talking time in Olathe tonight. It's tongue talking time in Kansas. It's time for us to get that refreshing. You've been carrying that load for too long. You've been worried about those problems far too much. Come on, somebody. It's time. It's time. Lord, I recognize the preacher preached to me tonight. I've been way too worried. So I know the answer. Baptize me, Jesus. Come on. Anybody feel that way? Baptize me, Jesus. Baptize me, Jesus. Baptize me, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't stop until you pray through. Don't stop just because you get a little blessing. You need to pray until you pray through tonight. You need to talk in tongues tonight. I promise you, I promise you, you talk in tongues tonight, you'll walk out of here feeling lighter. You'll walk out of here feeling better about everything that's going on. 